That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The text that's before you this morning is taken from Mark chapter 4 and verse 35 through 41. And it involves the Lord in a situation of danger with his apostles. They had uh, attempted to cross the Sea of Galilee... And it was only an eight-mile journey from one side to the other at the most. But in the midst of this journey, there was a great storm that rose very quickly. And during that storm, uh, the the, uh, disciples figured that they were going to perish. As a matter of fact, actually the boat was large enough, apparently, as I've read the text, The boat was large enough to accommodate someone sleeping in the hold, and that's where Jesus was. He was probably down below in the Ford Ford hold, and he was asleep, and a a storm arose. And during that storm, the apostles decided that they were going to be lost. It was was a a storm that that was that that, uh, ferocious. And in that situation... They ran to get Jesus and wake him up and alert him to the fact that they were going to perish. Now, if you've never been at sea in a situation like this, you probably do not understand the terror that comes upon a person's heart. I've never been in this situation before, but I I know of some who have. And you can't see the land from where you are. And it's dark everywhere. As a matter of fact, if we were to look at this context, we would know several things. One thing we'd know is that there there was a great cloud cover. So they couldn't see the moon. They couldn't see the stars. They couldn't see shore. They couldn't see the land. All they could see was, was the waves raging about them and the storm descending on them. And it's very ordinary for a person to get upset in a situation like this, they thought they were going to die. Matter of fact, they knew they were going to die, and so they they, they asked Jesus, "Don't you don't you care that we're going to die, perish?" And he said, uh, "He said, why are you so fearful?" Now that's an that's an interesting concept. And he quieted the storm, stopped the storm, everything calmed down, and they went to the other shore. Now, I am certain that this text is not there for us to understand that Jesus can control the elements in this world. 
He created the heavens and the earth. He created the elements. I know that he can control them. And of course, anyone who believes the Bible and believes in the Lord believes the same thing. So why then do you suppose that this illustration is given? This is a little story in the midst of big stories about Jesus. Well, several things several things could have happened. As I, as I look at this, several things could have happened with Jesus. He could have come up on deck and he could have calmly taken control. That's what a captain of a ship would do. He's the guy that's calm. He's under stress. He's under duress. He's in the midst of a tempest. He could stand up on deck of the uh, ship and say, okay, we've got this thing under control. Every man put on his life raft, get his life jackets on, and get the life raft broken out, and let's get off this boat. Every man for himself. Or he could have said, just batten down the hatches, bail out some water, and let's ride this thing out. He could have said that. He could have said something that they generally thought about at times like this. Something that kind of like what happened to Jonah. You remember in the Old Testament, the book of Jonah is a, is a book written about this fellow by the name of Jonah. And uh, he was told of God to go to Nineveh and cry out against that city because of their wickedness. And that was quite a journey, a three days journey for him. And, and he, was, he was concerned that uh, God was not going to do it anyway. So he didn't want to waste his time and he, he didn't want to humiliate himself by going over there and telling them that God was going to destroy them and that he knew God was merciful and God would probably keep them, you know, save them. So he decided, no, he would get on the ship. So he went down to Joppa. The Bible says he paid his fare. He bought his ticket and he got on a, on a boat going to Tarshish. And in the midst of the trip, a great storm arose, just like this. And during that storm, everybody decided it's time to, to get serious about whether or not we're going to survive. So they threw everything overboard that they could. Threw everything overboard. The storm continued. Then they began to plead with their gods. They were idolaters, idolaters at that time. Plead with their gods to save them. Maybe somebody uh, could get the gods to appease the storm. Jonah wasn't doing anything. And they came to him and asked him, why don't you do something? And then, then it finally dawned on them that somebody on board the ship was the cause of the storm. So let's throw Jonah overboard and get this storm calmed down. That, that's finger pointing, isn't it? So during the storm with Jesus in the ship on the Sea of Galilee, he could have stood up and said, whose fault is this? Let's, let's, uh, let's find out who's causing all this. Get rid of them and have peace. Well, what Jesus said was, and of course the, the text tells us that the boat was full of water. It was filling with water. We know, we know that the boat was going down. It looked like it was going down at least. And there was panic among the sailors. So Jesus could have done a number of things. Like we've already said, he could have said, abandon ship, put on your survival gear, get off the boat, we're going down. He could have said, let's ride it out. He could have said, whose fault is this? Who caused all this disturbance? But he didn't. He said, why did you not believe? He said, oh, ye of little faith, why are you fearful? 
Why are you disturbed? So when we look at this text, we're not really thinking about a storm that Jesus can or cannot control, physical storm. We're talking about people who panic over situations and let their hearts get away from them and forget about the faith they have in Jesus that he will take care of them. That's, I believe, is what he's talking about. We're in a time, obviously, in in this country, we're in a time of great stress. Intellectual and emotional panic has kind of taken over, and it's caused by two elements. Uh, We're involved in a pandemic of illness, and we're involved also in a period of social upheaval. I believe Jesus expects us to be calm. I believe he determines that we be calm, that we be peaceful. Now, he's not, I don't believe he's telling us just ride it out. I think he's telling us that we can have peace, that we can be calm. Jesus said at one time in John chapter 14 at verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in, if you believe in God and the Father, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. Calm down. That's what he's saying. Calm down. The majority of the letters written in the New Testament, this business of peace is a very serious business. Being disturbed by situations around us and by problems that come and visit upon us is going to be an ordinary event in our life. What is extraordinary is whether or not we can be calm of heart during the times of crisis. Every book in the New Testament, and there are 27 books in the New Testament, every book that is written individually to individuals or churches contains within it an admonition to be at peace. Peace be with you. The Apostle Paul, in every letter that he wrote, it addressed them, addressed the recipient of that letter at the very beginning with the idea of peace be with you. Peace and grace be upon you. So he knew, and we should know, that there is an issue before us always, and that is that our hearts can get away from us and go, can overrun us and can, can, we can be panicked beyond what we should be when we should have confidence in Jesus Christ that he has things under control. Now, that's not always easy to do. We are looking for, when we think about peace, we're looking for balance. When we, when we want peace, and what these fellows did on the boat with Jesus, they, 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 wanted, they wanted Jesus to calm the storm. Settle everything down. Give us blue skies, following winds, calm seas. Put everything back in balance so that I don't have to be upset. When we are looking for peace, we're basically looking for much the same thing in our everyday life. We want balance. We want calmness. We want our neighbor to be nice to us. We want our government to be nice to us. We want our community to be nice to us. We want our medical doctors to be nice to us. We want our financial people to be nice. We want to make sure that our finances are in order, that we have a good job. 
We want to be sure that, that everything is going well with us physically. That's what we're looking for when we're looking for peace. And that, uh, that basically is the word peace. It means lack of conflict. And it also means harmony. The balance and harmony that we seek are in the forms of finances and behavior with our fellow man. So that's what we're looking for in terms of peace. But Jesus said that uh, we, we should look for our peace in him and in, in our Father. And that's not always easy. And it's not easy because we are going to be in trouble from the time we get here until the time we leave. Eliphaz was talking to Job in the Old Testament. If you know your Old Testament, at least a little bit about it, Job was, was a man of God, and he was trying to do the best he could, and he fell upon hard times, and, and he fell upon great difficulties. And so three of Job's friends came to, to buck him up to get him to feel better, not to be so concerned. They could see the problem that Job had, and as they saw from a long ways away, they actually wept because he was in such great distress. They were concerned about him. And Eliphaz made a statement, whether he knew it was true or not, Eliphaz made a statement. He said in chapter 5, verse 6 and 7 of Job, he says, Although affliction comes not forth of the dust, neither does trouble spring out of the ground. Now, if you think about that, what he was saying was, trouble is not something that comes out of the earth. It's not something that just jumps up and happens. He said, but man is born unto trouble. As the sparks fly upward, man is born under trouble. We're going, to, we're going to have trouble from the time we're born until the time we die. We're going to have trouble. We're going to have turbulence and disturbances in ourselves. Now, God hasn't promised us a utopia on earth. That's not what, what he promised. He did not come to have peace on this earth. Matter of fact, John 16 at verse 33 says, These things, this is Jesus talking, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace, but in the world you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And again he said it in Luke chapter 12 verse 51, He said, Suppose you that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, no but rather division. So we're going to have trouble. And trouble is going to come in, in two major categories. We're going to have tribulation. And we're going to have a disturbance of mind. We're going to be upset. And we're going to be uneasy. And we're going to be wondering how we're going to get through certain situations in our lives that are troublesome. We're going to, we're going to worry about that. And sometimes we're going to worry so much that it's going to actually cause heart troubles. Stress creates a great deal of heart troubles in man. So we're going, to worry, we're going to worry. We're going to be concerned about it. And yet Jesus said, I will give you, let not your heart be troubled. I will give you peace. I can settle you down. Calm down, he told the fellows on the boat. If you can imagine, these fellows were in that turbulent sea and Jesus said, calm down. Or you say, well, he was talking to the weather. Well, sure he was, but he's also talking to them. Calm down. Calm down. Two areas, two major categories of disturbances of peace on this earth. There's two. 
One is the natural area, and that's caused by a couple of, couple of uh, different things. Natural disasters, of course, uh, will create problems. Man that is born of woman is full of troubles. And even as you get older, we're told that the, the, the number of our years are three score and ten if by reason strength four score. Yet are there are there days full of trouble. So we worry about it. We get concerned about it. We're upset about it because we have trouble. We have disturbance. And we don't know what to do about it sometimes. And the thing we do about it, of course, is to turn to Jesus Christ because he can give us confidence during times of trouble. Now let's let's think about it. here's part of it. I've, I've got I have two illustrations. This is the first one. Natural disasters will come along. That's just part of life. That's where we live. There will be natural disasters: tornadoes, hurricanes, volcano volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, tsunamis. All of these things will come. And yet, when they come, we seem to be able to know as individuals. Even as believers in God, we seem to be able to know that, that these are not personal attacks on us, on our person. This is not a conflict with us. This is a disturbance in nature, and we will get through it. If our city is destroyed by a hurricane, we'll rebuild. And generally, our neighbors will come along and help us rebuild. If our, if our, if our uh, city is destroyed by an earthquake, like the San Francisco earthquake of the early part of the last century, it will rebuild. Places will rebuild, and we know that things will get better. So we, we really can handle this a little bit, and it's kind of like the idea that if Jesus had stepped on that boat and said, hang on, brace yourself, we can get through this, that's basically what he's telling us when we face natural disasters. Hang on. Brace yourself. We will get through this. We'll get on the other side of this problem. So we, we find peace in that kind of situation as well. We know that the human spirit will arise to conquer the elements of nature. It will. And we do know that. And the other phase of, of uh, impersonal problems comes with disease. Disease is is also part of living on this earth, on this planet. We accept the presence of suffering and eventual death. Hebrews 9.27 says it's given unto man once to die after this the judgment. We're all going to die. We're all going to get to the point that we will eventually die. Illness is not a respect of person. So when I get sick, it's not because somebody is personally aggrieved with me or trying to disturb me or trying to hurt me. There is no conflict in me. Now, I may be worried about whether or not I can get past the disease. I may be worried about whether or not I, I can live. But still, I know that God loves me. I know that Jesus has said to me that I'm not to sorrow as those who have no hope, that if I die, I will also be resurrected. That's why Jesus died. He conquered death and he conquered he, he conquered the enemy of man, which is death. And so I know that I will arise in the resurrection. But I also know this, that man is made in the image of God. And that, that the greatest part of God, he is good. God is good. Remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, Good master, 
What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? Only one is good, and that is God. God is good. And I'm in his image, and you're in his image. We're all in his image. So when an illness arises, like we've had recently, the goodness of God in humanity will arise to accept the challenge and defeat the enemy. The goodness of man will reach out across barriers and will do the very best thing possible to help their fellow suffering human being. And so we and we live in a country where we have great scientific advancements and we have great knowledge about disease and illnesses and we do know that eventually we will get through the pandemic. And so our hearts do not have to be troubled over that. And we can get through that. That's really not a major problem. It shouldn't be a major problem. We know that God has this in hand. He has it under control. His goodness will prevail in natural disasters and in illness. But then we have to come to those conflicts and those things that disrupt peace in our hearts that are more personal. The conflicts that are more personal are the ones that will disturb you the worst. These are the things that involve interpersonal relationships. And there are three of these. The first is the family, the tearing of the heart by family members. The second is war by the disruption of peace because of warring factors. And the third is because of civil disturbances that we just, we just can't get along with one another. We have problems with one another. But let me start out by saying this, that the Bible tells me personally in this area. Now, in the other areas, I, I can find peace in Jesus Christ because I know that God has this in hand. I know that if we are in a, in a disaster, if the city is destroyed, it will probably be rebuilt. And I know that in an illness, if an illness sweeps over this land, that it will eventually be find a cure and a vaccine. I know that. And I know God has that in hand. He can control that. I know, just like Jesus controlled the weather in the ship, he, he controlled that. I know He can do that. And so I can rest assured that that's going to happen. I just need to relax. I just need to say, okay, Lord, I know things will get better physically around me. That's, but that's not the peace he's talking about. He's talking about peace or conflict within my heart. And when I come into a situation where I'm in conflict with my fellow man, now that's where my heart comes apart. The greatest, most disturbing turmoil on this earth that affects us is caused by human conflicts. We abuse each other, we betray each other, we hurt each other, we destroy each other, we ignore each other's needs, we're selfish, we're self-centered, we create heartache and turmoil in each other's lives, and Jesus gave us a remedy for this. Now that remedy does not mean that I can control you, or you can control me. That remedy is that Jesus can take charge of my life. Now, Psalms chapter 34, verse 14 
says, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now that same statement is made in the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 3 and at verse 11. Seek peace and pursue it or into it. Either, either translation. In Romans chapter 2 at verse 10, Paul said, glory, honor, and peace to every man that works good. So my peace is going to come because I am trying to do that which is good. And I should be content in my following of Jesus Christ. And if I'm doing good, then I should be able to relax in my heart and not be troubled about the course that I'm taking, what I'm doing. I can't get you to do good. I can't force you to do good. I can't force you to be nice to me, but I can certainly be nice to you. And I can rest in that. I can have peace. My heart does not have to be troubled when everybody around me is doing wrong and I'm following Jesus. If I can't control everybody around me, that's not my problem. My problem is me and what I do and what Jesus does with me. And if I let Him take charge of my life and lead me and guide me, then I can rest comfortably and rest assured that what I'm doing, the road I'm on, is the right road. It's the right track to follow. Romans fourteen nineteen says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things whereby one may edify another. So I'm following peace. I want to make sure that I am not in conflict with you. I do not want to be a part of a conflict where I'm creating the conflict. If I create the conflict, then I am not going to have peace, neither you. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your heart. That's where peace comes. It doesn't come in your environment. Your environment can be disturbed. It doesn't come from your neighbor. Your neighbor can be mean to you. It comes in your heart because you are right with Jesus Christ. You're following Him. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says it this way. Follow peace with all men. James 3.18 says, The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And Paul, in a final statement to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 13.11 says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, envision these, these fellows on that boat again. Jesus is saying, why are you afraid? Why, why are you troubled? You're with me. Isn't that right? You're with me. I'm here. And then he quieted everything down. So when we, when we get into a situation where we're in turmoil in the family, in turmoil in war, in turmoil in civil disturbances, when we get into that situation, where do we seek our peace? Where do we find comfort of mind? Where can we be calm? Where, where can we settle down? I'm going to ask you to read a text with me that uh, may jar you a little bit. In the book of Matthew in chapter 10, because I think this is the one that addresses the very point that we're making right now. In Matthew chapter 10, we sometimes assume that this text just, just applies to a family member, matter, but it actually this text applies 
to your family, it applies to your government, it applies to your society, it applies to every human relation that we have. Now let's look at the text. In Matthew chapter 10 at verse 34, Jesus said, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. Now we read that while ago, or I quoted it, in Luke chapter 12 verse 51. But now I'm going to read the text. He says, I came not to send peace, but a sword. I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Now he's addressing the closest of human relations on this earth. The home. The family. But that by extension takes you into the family of man. The family of mankind. What he's saying is, stay with me. Stick with me. Follow me. Do what I tell you to do. Do what I ask you to do. Follow my example. And it's going to make people mad. Your father may not even like you for it. If you're trying to gain peace in your family by condescending to evil things and things that people are doing that are wrong and not following Jesus, you're never going to find peace. The peace you're going to have is when you're in a family discord, if you stand with Jesus and always do the right thing, never hurt anyone, never do anything that Jesus wouldn't do, never say anything to them that Jesus wouldn't say, stand with Jesus. And when you do, you can have peace of heart. You can know that you are doing right with Him. He's with you. You're knowing you made the right choice. You say, well now, but my family members may not like this. My family wants this. And so you find people that are tugging at one another and in conflict with one another. And what do you do? You say, well, which side do you take? I'm going to take the Lord's side. I'm going, to, I'm going to do what Jesus would do. I'm going to think like Jesus would think. I'm going to stand with Him. And He said, when you do that, what's going to happen is, nobody's going to like you. Wow. That's a problem, isn't it? But, if we're going to have peace, you can get into a family squabble. You can get into a family squabble, and you can get in the middle of a family squabble, and you can find that there are hurt feelings that will go on for years and years and years. And you may, you may regret that and you may feel bad about it and you, you may grieve over it all of your life. But if you stand with Jesus Christ and if you do what He tells you to do and if you behave yourself like He told you to behave, if you follow Him and if you stand with Him and say, Lord, I'm with you on this. I'm with you. If you have a family member that's doing something wrong, you can't endorse that family member. You can't stand on their side and say, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll say bad things about the other person. You know, there's no, nothing worse than the d divorce. Well, I've told. I've, of course, I'm, I've, I'm part of a family that uh, I came from a family that had a divorce. And it's no fun. 
their problems. When there's family disturbances, their problems. Nowadays, we call it a dysfunctional family because there has been conflict. And the conflict has torn hearts apart. Someone says there's, there's nothing worse than a divorce. It, it'd be better if someone died than if there was a divorce. And that's, that's true because it's, it's hard to get over it. And it's hard to keep from blaming people about what, what has happened. And it's hard to keep from saying things you shouldn't say. So, if I'm with Jesus, I'm going to say, Lord, should I say this? Should I stick my nose in this? Should I take sides? Should I get involved in a squabble that has no issue other than making people mad? What I need to do, if I'm going to help, and if I'm going to have peace, and if I'm going to contribute to peace, I have to take the position with Jesus Christ. I have to say, okay, Lord, what would you do? What would you say in this circumstance? And that's the same thing that, that, uh, that follows when we get into a situation of war. You know, war has to involve somebody's wrong. Nazi Germany was wrong. The French Revolution tried to correct the, the, uh, the problems of the monarchy and in- introduced democracy. And so there were, there were people that were right and wrong on a lot of issues. And we look at it and say, okay, so war destroys things. And we will rebuild. That's, that's true. We can rebuild sometimes and sometimes we can't. How do we keep our hearts from being panicked? How do we keep our hearts at peace? By taking our position with Jesus Christ. And when we do, we're going to find opposition. People are not going to like it. Other folks are not going to, going to appreciate the fact that we're trying to follow His example. That we're going to say, Lord, I'm with you. I'm with you. So which, which would really bring us into an issue where do I have a choice when we go to war? Do I have a choice of right and wrong? You certainly do. You know, you always have a choice. If, if you're involved in, in warfare, you don't have to accept what a government tells you to do because governments can be wrong and are wrong many times. So, what do you do? You take your position with Jesus Christ. Would Jesus let me do this or want me to do this or not want me to do it? Do you follow what I'm saying? It follows in this text, and that's what Jesus is saying. He is using he is using the family unit in order to establish the entire milieu and the entire program of how we relate to our fellow man. How do I relate to my fellow man? Well, I love my neighbor as myself. That's how I relate. That's what Jesus said. So someone says, okay, so-and-so did something wrong to me. Therefore, let's despise them. I have to love my neighbor as myself. That's what Jesus said. So I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to have to take it. If I want to have any peace, any equanimity in my life, in my heart, I'm going to have to take the position that Jesus told me to take. Love your neighbor as yourself. Forgive others that sin against you. These are the, these are the recommendations that Jesus made. And he said, when you do that, when you follow me, when you take up your cross... And by the way, when you start following Jesus and forgiving your neighbor and loving your neighbor as yourself and doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, that's a cross. You carry that with you. And people are not going to like that. 
They're not going to like that at all. And that's what Jesus said. Your daddy's not going to like it. Your mama's not going to like it. Your brother's not going to like it. Your sister's not going to like it. Your son won't like it. Your daughter won't like it. But you can have peace. I will give you peace. Why? How do we get that peace? We get that peace because we're following Jesus. We've taken up our cross and we're following Him. We've lost our life. We've said, okay, I'm going to give up trying to do it my way, Lord. Let's do it your way. And when you do that, when you give up your way and let Him have His way, then you're going to find peace in your heart. And that, that, that takes faith, doesn't it? It takes a lot of faith. And it, uh, that's, that's what He said when he, when he rebuked these men in the boat. When they got through the, got through the uh, turmoil, He said, What happened to your faith? Where's your faith? And that's what we ask. When we're involved in a conflict, regardless of what that conflict is, whether it's a conflict in the home, and boy, there's some, there, there can be some brutal conflicts in the home, in the, in, the, in, the, in the world itself, in wars, what kind of conflict can there be there? And then in social discord, when, when neighbors are not getting along with neighbors, friends are not getting along with friends, and things are happening where, where, we're, where we're called upon to take sides against someone, what do we do? Well, if we're going to take a side, I know which side I want. Do you know what side you want? I want the side of Jesus. So I'm going to ask myself, what would Jesus do? How do Lord, you're with me on this. You're with me. I'm with you. How are we going to handle this? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and then I turn to God's Word, and I get the advice. Love your neighbor. Okay. Forgive. Okay. Treat them like you want them to treat you. Okay. And that's very simple, isn't it? That's very simple. And, and it, uh, you say, well, will that, will that provide, will that promote peace on earth? Jesus said, he said, uh, I didn't come to give peace on earth. And yet, you know, when the, when the, when the shepherds were in the field and the angels came and announced the, the birth of Jesus, he said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Well, wouldn't that be wonderful if that went on? That would be wonderful. And if it ever happens, if it ever occurs, let me, let me just say some things. If a family ever gets along, it's because the peace of Jesus Christ can permeate that family. If people stop going to war, it will be because the influence of Jesus Christ and peace. The people love one another. And if there's ever social conflict re resolved, it'll be because the will of Jesus Christ has permeated those who've been in conflict. Now that's the only way that peace will happen on earth. And yet, Jesus said, I'm not going to give you peace. I won't give you peace like the, like the uh, world gives you peace. What kind of peace? The peace of God that passes understanding shall rule your hearts and minds. You say, well, I don't understand. I really don't. Preacher, I don't understand how I can have peace in the midst of conflict. And I'll tell you what, it's, I know it's not easy. I know that in a family that is disrupted, it is not easy to find peace. And in a 
war in a, a country that's been devastated by war, it's not easy to find peace. And in, in the midst of social, social turmoil, it's not easy to find peace. But if you're ever going to find it in yourself, it has to be in Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. His name shall be called Wonderful, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You can have peace, not as the world gives, but as I give, Jesus said, you can have peace, and you can have peace in Him.